0: Welcome everybody! Welcome Mavs Moneyball Radio podcast. I am your host Jeffrey Cooperstein. A lot of stuff been going on in the NBA lately. We took a little hiatus here. Uh, we'll get to all that. We're gonna have a special guest on today. I know I've been teasing this for a while, but we're finally gonna have him on. Excited for that. Um, we're gonna talk a little draft. We're gonna talk a little free agency. Maybe even a little rebranding for the Mavericks. We'll get to all that there in a minute. Um, but first, I wanted to quickly touch on what's going on here in the NBA right now. The Warriors just won Game Five. 106 105 heading back to Oracle the last game at Oracle game six of the NBA Finals and it was crazy because the whole fanfare with Kevin Durant coming back in game five pushing himself 33 days after he strained his calf against the Houston Rockets uh, Durant was back in action and then in the beginning of the second quarter um, went down looked very serious even serious more serious than uh, originally thought. Uh, and it looks like he tore his Achilles, so he'll be out for a while. So uh, our thoughts are with Kevin, and uh, hopefully he makes a full recovery and gets back to the absolutely fantastic player he once was. So that happened. You have Toronto on the verge of winning their first, or the Warriors making a 3 and solidifying themselves as one of the best dynasties to ever play in the NBA. I think the Warriors are one of the best dynasties to ever play in the NBA. I've never seen a better team in my lifetime in uh, 23 years. Yes, the Bulls were fantastic, the Lakers were great, but I don't think anyone compares to this Warriors team. I think they're just so, so talented. They're so good offensively and so good defensively, even though they haven't been great defensively in this finals. It's just, it's an absolutely unbelievable collection of talent, and I'm so glad I've been able to witness it. So that's been, uh, that's basically what's going on in the NBA here. We have free agency coming up in about three weeks. All that changes now that Durant tore his Achilles. He probably opts into his $31 million player option and stays in Golden State, uh, even though he probably won't play. So that rules him out, you know, going to the New York Knicks, unless the Knicks want to still offer him a max coming off of torn Achilles, which is possible, I guess, but I don't see it. I don't really see that happening. It's a very interesting time here. Not sure what direction the Mavs are going to go yet. Obviously, the same names we've been throwing out there for a long time, the Chris Middletons, the Kemba Walkers. You know, even the bigger fish, the Clay Thompsons, etc. So we'll see what happens there. I think we'll get a little clearer picture um, as as time nears and to see uh, who's going where. But that wraps up that. I want to get to our interview. It's a very special guest, someone near and dear to my heart, the uh, Mavs radio play by play man, Chuck Cooperstein. Let's get to that next. Welcome back, Mavs Moneyball Radio. I am your host, Jeffrey Cooperstein. I'm bringing on a special guest today. Uh, he is the voice of the Dallas Mavericks. I believe this is year 15 coming up. He also happens to be my
1: father, <laughs> and his name is Chuck Cooperstein. How you doing today, sir? Hello, son. Mr. Jeffrey. I don't think I've ever called you son in 23 years. I don't on think so either. No. That, that caught me off guard there a little bit. Hello, Jeffrey. Hello. How are you? Good uh, to see you.
0: You too. So we had... We, we had, don't
1: see each other nearly as much as we should. No,
0: we don't, but we'll work on that. It's okay. the summer here. Uh, we had a pretty, pretty seismic change in the free agency plans last night as Kevin Durant tore his uh, Achilles, and it basically
1: has changed the whole landscape of what every team is thinking right now. You know, it makes me wonder just how it's all going to come down. I mean, obviously Durant has a ton of options. I mean, no, he can opt in to his and that, thirty-one and a half million dollars, and that seems the most logical for him. It seems logical, but. I mean, if his agent slash business manager gets a sense that regardless of the length that he's going to be out, which we're all assuming is basically going to be about 10 months, 10 months to a year, and pretty much means he, he, misses, he misses all of the next year, season, yeah. he misses all of next year, you know, are, are teams willing to go in on him and say, hey, we don't care if you sit the year, you know, you're, you're still three years of you, or maybe even two years of you because you have to believe that the contract that he signs is going to have a player out sure. uh, for the last year. So he would miss one year, he'd play two years, and then he would have a player option to stay for that third year, which, man, if you're, if you're a team that doesn't have Durant and you're, you're a building team, but you think that if you bring Durant in, it could totally He's the piece. change your paradigm. I still think that is a huge gamble to take. A huge, because you just don't know with Achilles injuries. And we've seen you know, Demarcus Cousins back a year after a year off. He struggled. I mean, very, very in and out. Very much so. so Wesley Matthews came back. He pay, came back seven best. And he was okay the first year. He, he got better, but he was ne- never the same. Never the same. The only player that you can honestly say was able to make it back to somewhere near the level he was prior to his injury was Dominique Wilkins and Dominique Wilkins was an athletic freak for the Hawks when he got hurt, uh, you know, basically in the early nineties, but he then later, uh, became, uh, you know, an all-star player again. And that's saying something. And maybe Kevin Durant is that exception. He's capable of doing that, uh, He'll always be able to shoot, but will he be able to do all the other things that have made him Kevin Durant? Will he guard? Will he rebound? Will he handle, you know, be able to stop on a dime, pull up, and shoot it? All those things that have made him this unstoppable offensive force, man, I don't know. And and if I'm him, I, but that's just me, I'm ready to take the sure thing and knowing that, that somebody loves me at $31.5 million for next year.
0: And it really sucks, too, because he could have, like, if he stayed healthy, it it's perfectly conceivable that he would have been a top five scorer of all time.
1: Absolutely, oh no question about that. Yeah, um, and and maybe even a little yeah, higher than it, that. I mean,
0: he's he's the most purely offensively gifted player I've ever seen.
1: Well, Wilt was for me. Well, okay. I'm 23 years. Yes, old. well, yes, we are dealing in different generations, and I'm telling you that Wilt was the most dominant offensive player that this game has ever seen, and and really even Kareem. Who had simply the most unstoppable shot that basketball has ever seen. This guy was absolutely unblockable. Although Wilt did get it a couple of times, he, he did. Uh, but yes, to, to your point, certainly in the modern era, he's the most gifted offensive player I think we've seen. I mean, there's just nothing he can't do. I mean, yeah, he's listed at six nine. He's seven. He's feet, seven feet. He's seven feet tall, and he's got a got a handle of a two guard, and the the shooting range of of Steph Curry and uh, the ability to rebound and guard, which I think his time at Golden State has sort of alerted the rest of the basketball world to that he's more than this offensive right. force; that he really is a complete player. Uh, and it's 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 a shame. It's it's a real shame what happened here. I'm I'm just rooting like hell for him to
0: get back. And to that point, he does bring so much to the table. I'm wondering if a team is willing, like, and I've I've known the New York Knicks to do some funny things over the last you know 20 years or so. I wonder if a team like them or a team like, I don't know, someone random you wouldn't even think of,
1: who would just go out there and give him his 4-year max. Well, again, I mean to, you know, bring it around here, would the Mavericks even ponder that? Knowing that they've got two stars, two young stars, assuming they're going to assume that Again, with the Matthews experience, they had the experience in dealing with that recovery. And the Mavs are a known training staff to be one of the better training staffs. Absolutely, in the I mean, Casey Smith, Deion Calhoun, and Jeremy Holsoppel, I mean, they're they're fantastic. They're absolutely at the top of the game when it comes to stuff like this. You know, are are you willing to take another year of probably not making the playoffs because you know, the goal this year was supposed to be all about. You know, finding that player that's going to get them out of the hole that they've been in for the last three years of 33, 24, and 33 wins and get them in not only into playing meaningful games in March, but hopefully in playing April playoff games in April and May. Uh, are, are you willing to just flush that for the hope that in the 2021 season that Durant, if he were here, would join up with Porzingis and Doncic and you'd you'd have this monstrous big three and you would do something that rarely if ever happens in basketball where you go from nothing to something, to sig- to a significant something, to where you're uh where you're skipping steps, where you're not losing in, the, in the first round of the playoffs. You're 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 LeBron in Cleveland. Would would that be the case? I I think in well, the, I think in the West it's a lot harder to do
0: than it is in the East. Absolutely, and well, and that's also one of the reasons why I don't think the Mavs would try to pursue a deal like that because I think I think they're just they're ready to take the step now and try to get into the playoffs now. I think, and they obviously are. KD isn't isn't going to
1: do that this year because he won't be on the court. Absolutely, I I think the Mavericks want to win. They they definitely want a star. I mean that certainly is a goal of theirs entering free agency. They want a star if they have to settle for you know several for lack of a better phrase b level parts as opposed to the a plus part they'll they'll live with that and they can make it happen and and they'll be better than sure. they were last year. I mean there's there's no question they're going to be better but you know is is getting does getting somebody for instance like Kemba Walker now or Chris Middleton now is that better moving forward and and Getting that cohesiveness that all great teams have, and getting it from the get-go, and and doing that now is that worth it now, as opposed to waiting and then hoping that Durant makes a, a really good recovery from his Achilles injury, and then you throw him out there with Luca and Porzingis and see how that all mixes. I just I don't see I don't see
0: them wanting to wait another year. I think Cuban wants to win too bad. I think Rick wants to win too bad. It it just doesn't seem feasible to me that Kevin Durant would be an option, but their his teammate. Klay Thompson, if KD opts in, do do the Warriors have to think about giving Thompson a max, a five year max? He can't get a super max because he missed out right, on the All NBA. Right.
1: I think I don't think the Warriors are worried about money. I mean, The Warriors are moving. Into they'll new, pay that.
0: They'll pay that billion dollar luxury tax. Well, they're going to have to what, pay. A, but
1: well, apparently next year, like their whole deal, luxury tax included, would be three hundred eighty million dollars. That's a jump change. And again, as uh, as the Warriors. Uh, esteemed PR director Raymond Ritter has uh, told me uh, as the Chase Center has been built that the Warriors have turned from a basketball organization into an entertainment conglomerate and they own everything that comes through the Chase Center every concert every show that's all they They, they, they get all the money from that they get they're not paying the city of San Francisco they're not paying anybody they are taking it all in and I mean, literally, the Federal Reserve Bank of San Francisco should just move their building <laughs> next door and just uh, allow the Warriors to just move their money in there instead of having to go into the city in order to do it. Uh, because it's, it's just ridiculous the amount of money that they're going to make and, that, and that the ownership that uh, you know of Joe Lacob and Peter Guber, they're, they're just not worried about that. They want to keep the window open for as long as they possibly can. And, uh, I mean, there's a lot to be said for that. And certainly, let's face it, from... Mavericks fans know all too well that uh, the window did not stay open very long for them, and it has led to you know, where they are right now. It's that They were not able to maintain it after winning the championship, and so uh, now they're trying to get that thing rebuilt. The Warriors, I think, understand that, hey, you know, this thing does not last forever, Okay, no matter how great it is in the present. It doesn't last forever, so we've got to try to keep it open as long as we possibly can. A good
0: comparison, too, because the building is operated by – or the sponsor on the building is Chase, and that's a bank.
1: Well, yes, but, you know, there is the Wells Fargo Center in Philadelphia. Yeah. They're, they're a bank.
0: Are they not doing well over there in Philly? Uh, they're doing
1: okay. I mean, because the team's pretty good right
0: now. I'm going to start researching bank – building sponsored by banks and see how good their teams are, uh, and see which I, I, money, well, see how much the, money is being put into. Well, those teams. Bank
1: Bank of America owns, uh, has their name on the Carolina Panther Stadium. No, that's there. There aren't that many big banks anywhere. Everything's no, been consolidated, so it's, the, it's all
0: your little, your little federal credit unions and all that. <laughs> okay, that's enough bank talk here. Yes. If you are Donnie Nelson and you are Mark Cuban and you are Michael Finley, what direction are you taking this on June thirtieth at six oh one?
1: Uh I think the goal is to find a star the, the most available you make all your calls you've done your back channeling and whatever you know prior to the Wait open. so so they do talk before 601. <laughs> of course they do. I mean, you know, we see contracts announced uh, like 5 I, minutes after the gates open. I've, so so, I, I so, think so yes.
0: That, I think that's like the biggest uh the biggest myth is that these well, teams just don't talk and they're knocking on your door at 601 trying to get a contract at done. the
1: at the very least at the very least, the the NFL is honest about it. It's like they have the 72-hour cheat stage right. before they actually get to free agency. And it's not quite that way in the NBA, but the Mavericks, th- the goal, regardless of who they wind up with, got to score more points. This has become an offensive league, and yes, like we've seen what Toronto's defense has done to Golden State in the finals, and it's really quite remarkable, but uh given how the game is officiated especially the regular season which is a lot different than how it's officiated in the playoffs even though they say that's not the case I promise you it is <laughs> uh although you know there there have been several games here in the finals where there've been a lot of fouls called yeah. you know, and and you know they've they've tried they've tried to do it and for the most part i i think the refs have actually
0: been pretty good this series i don't think there's been like one there's been one Call where you're like, oh, my God, that might have cost someone the championship.
1: No, I don't think we've seen that. But, you know, with the first game, there were 53 fouls called. The second game, there were 48 fouls called. There were a bunch called last night. Uh, I mean, but again, it's, you know, everybody's trying to get away with every last thing right. that they can, and, and, and good on the officials for calling that. But back to where we were and away from official talk. Got to find a way to score. The Mavericks averaged 108 plus points a game last year. The league average was about 111, and the league average the highest it's been in a long time. The Mavericks, for the last four years, have been a substandard offensive team, been a bad shooting team, um, a below-average three-point shooting team, and given that they are in love with shooting threes in the top five in the NBA in three-point attempts. You need to have guys who can make them? Can actually make them, yes. So, Or if even if you're not going to make them, you've got to be able to, to get yourself to the line and get and uh, and make your free throws. Now the Mavericks were much better in that area last year uh, than they had. They they were dead last for three consecutive years in free throws attempted, fewer than twenty a game. Uh, they were up at one point in the season. I I don't have the number in front of me, but they were at about uh, twenty. At one point, they were about twenty-seven free throws a game. I think only at one point I think uh, the Clippers and Philadelphia were ahead of them. They may have dropped off as the, as the season you know, kind of came to a close, but they got better in that area. But you still have to be able to do that. And more importantly, you've got to be able to make your free throws. You know, Luka gets to the line a bunch. So almost seven free throws a game as a rookie, which is fantastic. And I, I would expect him to be like at about eight and a half free throws a game next year, but he can't shoot 71%. And that's why a guy like Kemba Walker, okay, he can make threes, he can make his make free, free throws. throws. He's 86 87% from the foul line. I mean, he's automatic. Got to have that. Games are too close. the Ma- The Mavericks played the fourth highest number of clutch games last year in the NBA, and they they were far better uh, last year than they were the year before. They were, sure. I think, they were twenty and twenty six in those games last year, and um, and the year before they were twelve and thirty eight. And they were like they in New Orleans had played the most games uh, that were. Uh, clutch gains five points or less with uh, five minutes or less remaining in the game,
0: and that's why they've had a lot of ping pong balls.
1: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, and you it, got to win those. But you what got, it, you got yes, to win those. What it shows you is, you know, there's not a great margin for error. You know, the, the games are really quite competitive. Uh, you know, a team that wins uh, that wins 22 games, you know, can play with a team that wins 55 or 60 sure. games. And there, isn't a, there really isn't a whole lot of difference between them. But in a league that is emphasizing scoring, shooting, uh, really can't guard people anymore, no hand-checking uh, out top and even down low occasionally, you know, it's, uh, it's, it can be pretty iffy. That's the goal, that you've got to find somebody who can score. Uh, preferably it's a wing, but at, at, th- at this point, I don't think it really matters it really matters at all.
0: A guy that I would love to see to come to the Mavs this year, I don't think it's possible. But a guy like J.J. Redick, who is a knockdown shooter, he's an older guy, but he's—I th- feel like he fits perfectly what the Mavs need. He can play the two or the three. He can shoot it from anywhere. He'll be able to shoot till he's sixty, like Dirk.
1: Well, he's—he's he's small. I mean, I don't—I don't think he's a small forward. I really think he's—he's he's an off guard, and I think he's staying in Philadelphia on a one-year deal. He—he actually—he lives in Brooklyn. Yeah, and, I remember, and, and, and he commutes. And he, and he commutes down to Philadelphia for every game, and his, his wife loves Brooklyn, and he's really happy there. I, I don't see him leaving. But, I mean, I understand what you're saying just from the the pure shooting aspect. Yeah, J.J. Redick getting passes from Luka. And okay and, and, and Porzingis being able to open up the space for Redick to have, you know, nothing but clean looks at it. Yeah, he'd look great here, but I, I don't think that's very realistic.
0: Just wait until J.J. Redick finds out there's a team in Brooklyn. <laughs> no, he knows <don't.
1: laughs> it. Yeah and and that team's actually getting better too. Yes. That team's getting exactly. that t- that team is getting better, but uh yeah I I think he's I know he's really enjoyed his time in Philadelphia and um you know he hasn't always played great in the playoffs uh but again you know you, you got to find a way to get there. You know it, it, you got to be in it to win it like they say with the lottery and in, same thing with the playoffs. You you in the NBA generally order holds but if you don't get there, then you have no chance. And, and you don't want to be that team like Phoenix is right now. Suck in the middle like, of nowhere. Like Sacramento has been what Minnesota was before Jimmy Butler got there and then immediately you know, skedaddled to, to Philly uh, via trade you know, where they had missed the playoffs for, for 12 years in a row. Uh, I mean, Sacramento's missed it, what, 13 straight years now. You just don't want to be that team. And I know, listen, we experienced it here with the Mavericks. The Mavericks won a decade without making the playoffs, and it was miserable. They were the worst team in professional sports in the decade of the nineties. They had the lowest winning percentage in the decade of the nineties. Who wants that? I don't know. My Maverick fandom's been pretty good. They've only Yes, your a, Maverick fandom has been fantastic. They, they've okay? only missed
0: the playoffs like four times in my in my sports comprehension period. Yes. So that's been good. Uh there's a couple things I want to get to before we get out of here. One thing, the the lesser of the player acquisition period. Uh, the NBA draft, the Mavericks don't have a first-round pick, but they do have a pick in the high 30s in the second round. Mid-30s. Mid-30s. Yeah. Uh, where, where do you see them going there? Are they going to try to get a guy like Jalen Brunson, who, who's a quote-unquote rookie veteran who can come in and contribute right away, or are they looking for a project?
1: Well, I think probably somewhere in the middle. <laughs> You've gone to two pretty significant extremes. Uh, I think they're looking probably more on the project end. I mean, look, there are a. I think there are a bunch of wings that are going to be available in the second round. Uh, that I'm really curious about. Lewis King Morgan is one of them. He was a five star player uh, out of New Jersey. Went to Oregon and had a fantastic NCAA tournament for them. You know, they got to Sweet 16. He was he shot 11 of 18 from three and he shot about 39 percent from three for the year, and and a, and a good free throw shooter. And that's the type of thing that I think is that scouts generally look at as translatable. Uh, he he very much intrigues me. Dylan Windler of uh, of Belmont uh, can really shoot it, and I, I think that's kind of what they're looking for. Um, you know, Isaiah Roby in Nebraska I knows a name that's been mentioned a lot. Uh, I, I think again, you know, if you're basically around six six to six eight and 205 two really hundred five to two hundred thirty pounds, uh, and and can shoot it a little bit, I think that's uh, who the Mavericks will be interested in.
0: I was shocked I didn't hear your boy Kowat That's like your favorite player.
1: I love Kowat Noy. Noy. though, I, I I think he's the kind of guy that needs to be interviewed. Um, you know, he he was terrific last year, not very good this past year, was hurt a bunch this year, and from what I was told was the kind of kid that you no know, did not want to play unless he was a hundred percent. And you know, every everything takes on meaning in light of what we saw last night. Right. But, you know, when you're playing 82 games or, you know, however many games there are in the G League, I'm not sure how many games, there's going to be plenty of nights where you're not 100%. You know, this isn't college ball where you're playing twice a week. You know, you may at some point, uh, if you get to a tournament, uh, you know, a a Thanksgiving tournament or in a conference tournament where you're playing three games in three nights, but it doesn't happen very much. More often than not, you're playing twice a week. uh, And, you're going to get bumped up. I mean, basketball. They say basketball's supposed to be a non-contact sport. It's anything but a non-contact sport, and you got to be able to play through that. And I think that's a question with Kwatnoi right now. So I, th- I think Quattanoi is a guy that you could see very much uh, on the on the Maverick Summer League team. Uh, another guy in in that regard, and I'm very curious about him too. Uh, he's had knee issues, but Dre Foster from SMU, yeah, uh, hey, he's he was a heck of a player before you know he started having his knee issues,
0: and he he's. If if healthy, he would be the perfect guy that the Mavs could use as, as a three and D type of player. Exactly.
1: Absolutely, I, I I'd be very uh, curious and frankly a little bit excited if, if somehow they worked their way toward him.
0: So in summary, they won't be doing much in the draft this year. No, won't be won't be getting your
1: Luca. No, no that that, that we, that was we a had our excitement last there. year. Yes, that was once in a lifetime. Or just like you know in the summer of 1998 when the Mavericks traded Robert Trailer to Milwaukee and got some guy named Nowitzki, and we were all freaking out that night because Don Nelson was trying to explain, well, we did this and we traded for Nash and we we got Dirk and, and whoa, 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 whoa whoa just back up and let's go step by step through the whole thing, please, Nelly. And uh you know and so we you know we ha- we had that with uh with Luca, not quite as uh convoluted as, as that night in ninety eight, but uh but certainly no less dramatic, no less exciting. He certainly justified the Mavericks faith in him and uh, justified the excitement that he, he brought every night to the, you know, to the American Airlines center. So uh, we're not going to see that this year. Uh, but, you know, from the Mavericks standpoint, the real fun begins at five o'clock on June 30th.
0: So on that subject to Dirk, what did you know about Dirk when they drafted him? Did you, did you know anything? Had you seen him play in the hoop summit?
1: No, I had not seen him play in the hoop summit, had, had heard about it, you know, that he went for 33 and 14, Uh but didn't really remember that actually in that game he didn't shoot the ball very well in that game he he got to the he line, just got to the line a he bunch got just like every time I think he made like like eighteen free throws in that game it was just you know just incredible but again you know those games are not necessarily about the scoring sure. it's just you know it's the skill level that you show and everybody knew about it. and people had heard you know that uh, Rick Petino was trying to get him and of course he was working for the Celtics at yep. the time. Uh, and Chuck was trying to
0: recruit him after that too.
1: <laughs> and I, I just remember when they when they got him and thinking, man, Paul Pierce is sitting on the table. Right there Paul Pierce would have been, you know, he was a plug and play guy right away, man. You you, you knew what you were getting with him. And he obviously had a great career. But he wasn't Dirk.
0: I was going to say I think you're happy with the way that turned out. I think out, it right? all
1: turned out okay.
0: One of the last things I wanted to get to before we get out of here I know it's been a hot topic on Twitter, in, uh, in on Mavs Twitter specifically, the team rebranding. I oh, know you don't want to hear oh. it. I had why, to bring why it up. Are you, why are you doing this? I had to
1: push your buttons. Why? Why? Because why you're my, you're, my, you're supposed to love me. You, had,
0: you don't want me to hate you. I had to push your button. I don't think you'll hate me after this. Um, but I we clearly know your opinion on this. D- you don't you don't want to see any sort of change whatsoever, whether it's a change in the logo, a slight change in bringing a different color, and maybe bringing a green back a little bit or just just a nice refresh you don't want to see a nice refresh i love the uniforms i do i just i think cuz all, all, all you care about is if you can read the number or not you don't care what they look like
1: i i listen blue is my favorite color I, any shade of blue you know works for me so i'm i'm happy with that and anything that contrasts with that blue is uh is is good i'm i'm not big on having five different jerseys and things like that um uh, I mean, and nothing I, er- I, I guess – I mean, I don't know that I would be totally opposed to, to a logo change, but, I, you know, I look at teams like the Knicks, the Bulls, the Celtics, the Lakers, and they don't change their jerseys.
0: The Lakers did just change. Well,
1: well, well, well but the Lakers actually went back to their 19 show, – their Showtime era, Lakers, with the, with the purple numbers inside the gold uniform, uh, which was a heck of a lot better than the one they had previously.
0: We talked about this earlier. I like the ones that they had in the 2000s with the white numbers and the gold jerseys.
1: Harder to read. And, and that's
0: all you care about. It and, doesn't and, matter. And, yes,
1: it is. It is all I care about. It's the only, it's the only thing that matters. It's like, got to be able to tell who <laughs> the players are. You otherwise, can't tell, otherwise, you can't otherwise I'm not doing them? my job. Now, I, I really would like to keep my job, and it would help keeping my job really sort of matters uh, if I can identify who the players actually are. So there you have it. No rebrand for you. No. I mean – I guess, like I said, I'm I'm not a I, I don't know that I'm totally opposed to it. I'm just saying I really like what the Mavericks have right now. I really wish, frankly, that the Mavericks would bring back the navy jerseys that they wore back in to, in, in the mid two thousands when yes, they were going absolutely. to absolutely know, I, I, those were great and those ultimately got replaced by the royal blues, which I love. You know, I I love those too. And it's, the the reason I love the royal blues
0: is because that's what they won the championship in. Yeah, I call them the championship blues because that's what they are. they they're
1: great. It's it's just a great look and letters, numbers, easy to read. Don't think that the font is dated or anything like that. But timeless, keep it simple, you know, like what the Jazz did with their know their third jersey and their they, they, and, the uh, and rainbow and, court well now they're putting and uh the warriors did this too and everybody's putting down extra to spend you know a hundred thousand dollars on on courts that they may oh, use like 10 times a year what is that to an nba team well i mean every dollar does count eh. i mean okay let's put it this way not every team is the warriors the lakers the knicks the, the mavericks do just fine, but they're not at that level. Mavericks and also, Utah certainly isn't at that level. I don't,
0: the Mavericks have not changed their court since 2001. I'm convinced of that. I don't think they've actually. Well, no, they
1: have. Yes, they have. They've changed the lanes for sure. They've changed the lanes where it's, it's one color in the lane. There's no, there used to yes, be. Yes,
0: you're right. There used to be like black on the side. or.
1: And well, well, no, but the, like on the side yeah. of the lane, they, the, there were lines on the lane you know, that were the college lane right. and, the, and the NBA lane um and they they got rid of that and it's just you know one square 16 foot wide deal which a lot of people do now so so for you
0: simple is better always I'll show you some concepts after I've seen some pretty cool concepts that uh
1: well I've seen I've seen concepts that have come on uh on my twitter feed and what have you but I can't say that they terribly move me and there you have it there you have it right there thank you for joining me today good seeing you good to see you love you
0: we'll talk to you soon love you Love you. Okay. That was such a fun interview to do. It's a little insight on uh, what our conversations are like just on a telephone on a regular day. That's basically what we do. We call each other. We talk about the world of sports, and it's awesome. Uh, So thanks, Dad, for coming on. That'll do it. Mavs Moneyball Radio Podcast. I've been your host, Jeffrey Cooperstein. You can find the podcast wherever you enjoy your favorite podcast. Apple, Google Play, Stitcher, wherever you'll find it. You can also find it on Twitter at Mavs Moneyball. You can find me on Twitter at jcoopjr27, or you can always go to MavsMoneyball.com. We'll be back soon with another episode of Mavs Moneyball Radio Podcast.